Sex is the life force energy that runs through us all. The link between sex, creativity, and the sense of aliveness is strong. Can you use sexual energy for your spiritual evolution? Or perhaps for emotional healing? Is it even possible? Clinical sexologist Dr. Martha Tara Lee will explore all these and more on the Eros Evolution Show here on Ohm Times Radio and TV. And welcome to Eros Evolution. This is where we talk about sex, spirit, and everything in between. And today, I have somebody, somebody who's right up your alley if you're a spiritual person. This person is as spiritual as it gets, I believe. Okay, so today we are going to talk about men myths, understanding male sexuality. And this will be in the context of uh, heterosexual uh, cis male. And uh, um, it may or may not apply to who you are. And it really doesn't matter. It's really a place for us to navigate everything uh, on this show. So uh, I have with me uh, Cam Frazier. So Cam is a certified professional sex coach, a certified sexologist, registered counselor, and registered tantric yoga teacher. His work integrates scientifically validated, medically accurate information about sexual health with sacred sexuality teachings from the mystery traditions. So as a coach, he helps men go beyond surface level sex and into full body self-expressed, pleasure-oriented sexual experiences free of anxiety and shame. And you can check out The Camp Fraser, that's C-A-M-F-R-A-S-E-R, on uh, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, and our website is cam-fraser.com. So today we are going to be talking about the myths around male sexuality from the belief that uh, men should always be in the mood for sex with the assumption that if a man doesn't have an erection, it means he's not turned on. So we will be exploring how our thinking about masculinity and sexuality can be expanded and how we can challenge harmful stereotypes about men. So Cam will be sharing some tips for men to broaden their experience of masturbation, sex and pleasure. So welcome. Hey, thank you so much for having me. That was an amazing intro. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Uh, I try, I try. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, so I, I, I have, I was on your podcast before, and I've been following your work, but we, I never really uh, had a chance to really get to know you. So I understand you have a young uh, a son now. I do. Yeah, I've got a ten-month-old, um, and it's been a, a crazy ride. Like the 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 journey through my wife's pregnancy and seeing her body change and just being in awe of like the journey that she was on, and then the the birth as well. You know, that we had a, a pretty, uh, I would say, traumatic birth that ended up being an emergency cesarean. That was pretty wild. And now we've got a little son, and he, you know, for the first three months had some colic, and there was some indigestion issues. So like navigating that was quite difficult. And then. You know, he's now walking and talking and eating and doing all these amazing things as like a little developing human being. And just seeing that, it's just been, it's just so magical. Like it's just been a wild, wild ride. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful that I get to spend it with my lovely wife and, and I get to kind of experience what being a father is like. It's just really, really amazing. I'm so happy for you to have this experience, even though it sounds like it's been really difficult. Uh, I'm, I'm really happy for it because that's going to be part of your experience that you can share with uh, your clients and just make you that much richer as a coach. So I'm, I'm really happy for that. And I'm, I was happy to uh, yeah, see um, some of the posts around what's 
happening in your personal life. So mm. there's this intersection with our personal and professional. So I think for listeners out there, I just jump in and ask you, like, how do you think being a father has made you a better person? Yeah, wow, what a question. Um, well, I, I, you know, I've done a lot of um, self-reflection uh, as I've become a father. And, you know, I was doing self-reflection before, but really this little baby that I've got in front of me now is such a mirror for my emotions. Like if I'm frustrated and, and angry and like upset about something, he knows, he picks up on that and straight away he'll start crying and he'll start getting oh. agitated and frustrated and upset as well. But if I, you know, soften and I relax and I, I you know, get into that like really playful kind of space, he picks up on that straight away and we, you know, get on the floor and we're crawling around and it's very, you know, childlike and very just fun and free. And, uh, and it's been like so needed in my life. I, I tend to get quite up in my head. I, you know, read a lot of journal articles, very like try to be quite academic. And, and so I, I sometimes let my, you know, spiritual practices go a little bit. And, and so having a son and just being on the floor with him and playing has been such a reminder to just get back into the body, to get back into that relaxation space and just enjoy life you know going to the beach and in the ocean with him and going and crawling around in the sand it's just been such a lovely kind of reminder to just get back into that enjoyment of life um so that's definitely helped me uh you know just connect to to people on a bit more of a playful you know less serious light-hearted level um you know and there's uh, there, i mean there's there's so much that i could speak into i don't want to go on a massive rant about uh about fatherhood but like another another way that it's helped with my clients is um you know talking about how sex changes with your partner now that now that you know we've got a kid but even before that when my partner was pregnant like the sex that we were having had to change because there were certain positions she couldn't be in because of her belly of course um there was, you know, certain uh, things that were changing in her body and her anatomy as well because organs were being moved. And then after the emergency cesarean, uh, you know, she was quite tender and quite sore. And so sex changed again. It had to be a lot gentler and a lot softer to compensate for her body. And now we've got a little baby, you know, finding intimacy time is a little bit more of a challenge because we've got a you know, person always there with us. And so, you know, we've, we've now had to rely on really scheduling sex, whereas previously it was a lot more spontaneous. And so just navigating all those things has been really helpful for me as a uh, practitioner so I can relate to people, you know, that have a kid now. And I get it. I get it's difficult to set time aside to do some self-pleasuring, for example. You know, I get that it's hard to find a babysitter in certain circumstances. So it's a lot more, um, it's landed for me a lot more experientially, right? Because I can read about father's experiences, but now I actually know what it's like to be in that situation. I can really empathize with with my clients now. So it's been fantastic. Yeah, I was really happy to see that blossoming for you. I really yeah, thank was. You. And uh, you are also in a very special place, right? Uh, where you're located. So you're in Perth or near Perth. Uh, so tell us a little bit how you work. Yeah, right. So I'm in a place called Margaret River, which is about four hours south of Perth. It's right on the um, southwest coast of Western Australia. Um, in a place called, uh, the, the traditional name is Woodachup um, in uh, Noongabuja. And the uh, it's a lovely uh, kind of like surfing community. Uh, it's it's quite, um, I would say it's quite like hippie and spiritual, um, which is uh, which is really lovely. We've got some really lovely friends here. Uh, and I'm really stoked that, you know, our little son is going to grow up in this, in this area because it's quite relaxing um, as opposed to being in the city. Uh, but I work primarily, if not exclusively online, actually. All my clients I see via Zoom. Uh, and I've got a couple of online courses as well, which people can do at their own pace. Um, and I use the the online platform teachable for that. Uh, and then um, I have a, a teacher training as well. So I just actually launched a teacher training this year for six students 
who want to become sex coaches that work with men. So I've taken those six students on a nine-month um, teacher training together. And, and again, that's all online. We're doing a sexual attitudes reassessment that's fully online as well. So five, eight-hour days um, sitting on a computer. It's going to be interesting. Um, I've done a couple of those in the last couple of years with the whole pandemic. So it's been a... Um, yeah, it's it, like it's been very serendipitous for me to move into an online capacity. I was doing stuff with people in person, um, but then my partner and I, um, I'm not sure if you know this, but my partner and I, we moved into a bus. We were going to travel around Australia and live in a bus and live that kind of nomadic life because uh, we, we, we built it up. Uh, but unfortunately, Australia got locked down in 2019 because of the um, pandemic. And so uh, we ended up you know, parking the bus at a friend's house here in Margaret River. <laughs> so our, our journey, we only made it four hours on this whole journey that we were supposed to do around Australia. We only made it to like the next town across. And um, and so we ended up, yeah, finding a house here and then just moving um, moving here permanently. And and yeah, so the plan was to always be online and it just happened to be at the right time. And so my, my practice has really um, blossomed and it's been a very, um, I've been very fortunate that I moved online at the right time just before everyone else started going online as well. Awesome. Really, really awesome. So I'm so glad uh, you have a base, uh, a spiritual place. And uh, just to share with you, I, I uh, a lot of people don't know this. I have I have this uh, fantasy to uh, um, do exactly what you mentioned, like live on a like, caravan and go around Australia with my lover. Um, Amazing. So, yeah, I know. It's, it's like really weird, like super weird. Uh, and to see, but I've had this uh, for a really long time. Yeah. So anyway, I think when your son is a little bit bigger, yeah, definitely uh, you can do that. You know, the, I think the yeah. world is uh, opening up again. Not that's sure the plan. That's we're actually we're going to buy a caravan this year. That's our plan is to do that. So um, yeah, I'll uh, I'll send you some uh, some photos of some caravans, and maybe I can help you uh, recreate that dream of yours. Uh, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll borrow your caravan or something. Or you know, uh, I don't know. Yeah. That's it. But if yes, if you come to Australia, you're you're obviously more than welcome to come and borrow the caravan for sure. Yeah. We'd love to love to see you. Yeah, it's it's a fantasy of mine, you know, this uh, urban chick uh, who I think is allergic to grass, having this fantasy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I really need the the alpha to take care of me. Yeah, Somebody right. who can uh, chop wood and whatnot. <laughs> Take charge, drive there, yeah, change the caravan when it needs to be changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm a terrible driver, so I'll just, I'll just, I'll just. You and me both, Martha. I'm a terrible driver as well. So my my fiance and my wife should be doing all that driving. I think. Yeah, I, I can't even drive manual. Um, I'm a terrible, terrible uh, alpha male because I can't even drive a manual car. Okay, so uh, so let's talk about this alpha, like what it is and what this means to men. <laughs> right, yeah. So um, well, we, we joke about the term alpha, but like the, the, um, what I talk about a lot with men and, um, and the clients that I work with are um, this idea of the man box culture, right? And this is, um, a, it's a term that was used by an activist in California in the 1980s. His name is Paul Kivel. And um, he, he uses this term man box to talk about like this, unwritten set of rules that men have to follow in order to fit inside this quote-unquote man box and be considered a quote-unquote man. Uh, and these unwritten set of rules, you know, I do a whole workshop with men around this, but some of these rules uh, include like you have to be tall and you've got to like have a good job, you've got to make a lot of money, you've got to be like a good in bed, you've got to be muscular, right? You've got to, it's very stereotypical. If you look at any like Hollywood movies, a lot of the male, leading male actors very much fit that stereotypical, this is what it means to be a real man uh, type of box. Uh, and so 
the idea is if you don't follow those set of rules or if you like, um, you know, whether intentionally or unintentionally, then you are placed outside of that man box. And oftentimes, and a lot of men, when they're growing up, when they do something that's not considered quote unquote manly or doesn't make them fit in that box, they're usually bullied and they're usually called names. And, and very typically, this is an experience that I personally had. And I know a lot of men here in Australia as well have had is, um, they'll get called gay or they'll get called um, some other kind of derogatory term, which is meant to make them, you know, they'll get called a, um, you know, female genitals and things like that. And so the idea is that, you know, you're not in the man box because you're lesser than a man, which is, you know, you're gay or you're feminine or you're effeminate or whatever it is. Uh, And so this is, uh, this is then something that, um, you know, a lot of men internalize and then they end up being, you know, they end up like perpetuating that kind of, misogyny and homophobia um but what a lot of guys do then is well they want to get back in the box they want to stop being bullied they want to stop being belittled they want to stop being called names and so in order to get back in the box you essentially have to do something uh which would be considered maybe hyper masculine right so that you are considered a man again and so a lot of the time that hyper masculine looks like violence you know so someone calls you gay you punch them in the face and that's how you, you know, get your man card back or you get put back in the man boxes because you've exhibited some manly traits again, which is, you know, stereotypically is violence and aggression. Um, or alternatively, maybe you have a lot of um, casual sex, right? That's oftentimes another way that um, some men can compensate for not feeling like they're in the box. Um, yes. Uh, uh, so we saw um, like Will Smith, for example, do that very recently, um, exhibit that, that hyper-masculineness. Uh, and so this is what the this is what the um, the man box kind of does for men, right? It kind of um, forces them to have to act a certain way, or, or essentially perform their masculinity in a certain way in order to be considered a man. Uh, and what that does is it creates a lot of anxiety for guys because they think they have to they have to be a certain way. They should be a certain way, and if they're not, then they they think something's wrong with them. They think they're not man enough. They think that there's you know, their, their partners aren't going to like them, that their women aren't going to find them attractive and all this sort of stuff. And so not only does that cause like anxiety in terms of their masculinity, but also cause anxiety in, t- in terms of their sexuality, in terms of their sexual performance. This is where a lot of like performance anxiety comes from is guys think, you know, again, these unwritten set of rules, guys think they need to have like a big penis. They need to last really long in bed. They need to give their partner lots of orgasms. They need to be assertive and dominant. They need to, you know, they, they should do all these things. There's a lot of shooting. Yeah, always you know, be ready. Yeah, yeah. They should always be ready to have sex, right? All these, all these ideas, all these assumptions about men and masculinity are, um, are from that kind of man box culture. And so a lot of guys, if they don't fit that, they think that they're less than and they think that they're not enough. And then there's a lot of self-worth issues wrapped up in that. So that's, um, uh, that's, that's the kind of the framework that I use when I talk to men about masculinity. And, and hopefully that resonates with, with some listeners. Oh, definitely. I, I, I do see this with my clients and uh, it's okay. I'm just going to be very politically incorrect. It's like sure. they're the walking zombie, you know, right. they are able to function. They are able to get through life, but it's like the heart is shut down. They don't mm. talk about their emotions. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you, do you see clients um, who are working through all that? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, I do get men that struggle to open up and talk and be vulnerable because that's considered feminine or it's considered, you know, weak or it's it's considered um, like not manly. And so a lot of guys have resistance to that. 
Um, and they've been told, you know, there's a lot of other, you know, men's dating coaches and things out there that say, don't show your emotions in front of women and things like that. So they perpetuate these narratives. Um, and so I get, you know, a lot of men feeling like really uncomfortable talking about sexuality, talking about their experiences of pleasure with their partner, you know, having these vulnerable conversations, these emotional conversations. And what essentially that does is it um, creates a disconnect from their partner, right? Because sex is inherently emotional, right? Like sex is inherently vulnerable. Um, as much as we, you know, we, and I say we collectively as maybe men try and divorce our emotions from sex, it's, you know, it's impossible to do because you're you're literally connecting with another person regardless of how bad or good the sex is there's some emotionality and there's some level of vulnerability inherent to that experience uh, and so guys that that shut that part of themselves down are really doing themselves a disservice when it comes to experiencing better sex but they're also doing their partner a disservice when it comes to them experiencing more pleasure and having better sex right sex isn't just like a physical act there's like all these other things and these layers to the experience that we can open ourselves up to when we start to open ourselves up to emotions and open ourselves up to even spirituality as well, right? There's another layer to it. So, um, so yeah, guys that are closing themselves down because they don't consider it manly to open up and be vulnerable are really, um, yeah, they're, they're limiting their, their experience of, of sex and pleasure in my opinion. Yeah. And, uh, not living their lives fully. Oh my yeah. goodness. Uh, so, so I also know of, um, um, uh, men who they 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 distract themselves during sex so that they can last longer. Uh, yeah. One of my ex lovers, uh, he he would think of dead cows so that he would last longer in terms mm. of his ejaculation, and that also ca causes a disconnect during sex. Um, how can it be that somebody is uh, tapped into you, you're inside them uh, with your penis, and then and then they feel that you're somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. So this is like a very common piece of advice, right? It's like think of this. <laughs> I've never heard think of dead cows before, but yeah, that sounds horrible. Um, but yeah, think of like grandma taking a poo, you know, or think of uh, baseball is a very common one in America. Uh, and so it's like essentially, you know, the idea is like put your mind somewhere else, distract yourself so that you're not focused on what's going on. So you don't actually feel the pleasure or the arousal um, so that you can last longer. And so there's two major issues with that. The first is, as you as you beautifully shared, is like you know, your partner can pick up on the fact that you're not there, right? You're dis disassociating, right? Exactly. Um, and so your your partner can pick up on the fact that you're not present with them, that you're not you know um, connected to them, that you're checked out, you're somewhere else in your head. Like we can tell if we're having a conversation with someone, right, and they're in their head thinking about something else and not paying attention to us. We can tell, you know, and that's that's amplified even more during sex. Um, so it's it's a really disconnected experience. But the other thing, the other problem with that is that it really um, prioritizes like duration of penetrative sex, right? And we, you know, yeah, that's one element of sex, but there's so many other things that make sex pleasurable and enjoyable and mutually satisfying. Duration of penetration is what, just merely one of those things. And it, typically it's not the most crucial thing, particularly for women to experience more pleasure. Um, usually we want to be incorporating like a lot more touch and a lot more sensation and and um, stimulating like the vulva and the clitoris and things like that. Just purely, you know, longer penetrative sex isn't necessarily more pleasurable. So it it, it, it emphasizes the wrong thing as well as my, in, in my opinion. So there's, there's two kind of problems with that idea. Yes. So longer, longer penetrative sex, longer, harder, bigger, stronger is not necessarily what uh, women are looking for. 
um, mm. there's a lot of misconception around around that as well. I I I know of people who actually say this. Uh, like I ask them why why are you so fixated with longer, and uh, they say well because longer means better, and if mm. it's better, then she would like it, and she would like it more, and she want to have it more, and uh, therefore uh, we are gonna have more sex. So ultimately, the goal is more sex, but uh, the 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 way around it is longer. <laughs> Yeah. So what do you say yeah. to that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, so there's there's an, some unpacking there to do, right? Which is like, firstly, I find that a lot of um, my clients, I have to talk to them about how they define sex, right? Because they want to, like, I, frequently I get asked, you know, how can I have more sex with my partner? And I, ha- I have to kind of have a conversation with them uh, around like, well, what does sex mean to you? Is Is sex only penis in vagina? Is it only penetrative sex? Or... Could sex mean oral sex and digital sex using your fingers? Could it mean a sexy massage? Could it mean phone sex? Could it mean, you know, all, all these other things, right? Um, because, you know, if we're only getting our sexual needs met through penetrative sex, then uh, unfortunately, it's kind of like eating the same meal every time we're hungry. It gets a little bit dull. It gets a little bit boring if we're not changing things up and if we don't have more things to choose from. Uh, and, um, and you know, when it comes to the sexual experience, a lot of guys get stuck in a rut as well. A lot of guys yeah, do the yeah. same thing every time. Um, they, they find I, I let a lot of guys you know, talk to me about their move. Like they've got the one thing that they do, which they know, they just know that all women like this one thing. And I'm like, man, that's not how, that's not how sex works. That's not how people's bodies work. Yeah. And then when it doesn't work on for their partner, they turn around and shame them. You know, it's yes. happened to me. Like what's wrong with you? Why is this not working for you? And then I'm like, oh my God, like there's something wrong with me. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Because yeah, guys, um, Guys get stuck in this idea that if this doesn't work, then you know, they're either, like you've said, shared, they think their partner is broken or they think that they're broken and then they're not open to feedback. A lot of men wrap their egos up in their sexual performance, so to speak. Uh, and I don't think any, I don't think ego should be part of our sexual experiences. I think we should be able to divorce our ego from it. Um, and, and the, you know, the reason why is so that we can take feedback on board, so that we can ask questions, we can be curious, we can be humble, we can learn about our partner, we can try new things and not have to get so worried about what it means about us as a man or as a lover. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so like my um, so my first conversation with a lot of people is like, how do you define sex? Because if you're getting your sexual needs met in a whole variety of different ways, then you can have sex more often because you've got a whole bunch of other things that are available to you. Maybe you're in the mood for one thing, your partner's not in the mood for something. Um, you can you can meet in the middle and, and experiment and try something else. So um, yeah, that's that's the kind of first strategy I would have you know, um, couples do in particular is like just explore other ways of getting your sexual needs met and broaden your definition of what sex means for you. Yeah, I, and... Um... It's, it's, it's important to get support because uh, change can be confronting and difficult for some people, especially when you're so used to something for so long. And uh, I, I do know of people, they feel more comfortable just being sexual by themselves rather than with a partner because it's just too confronting, it's too difficult. And uh, that, that all that overwhelming uh, rejection and inadequacy that comes up and uh, feeling that uh, you know, they, they don't know how to fix things. So it's mm. so important to uh, get somebody who uh, is in a similar situation. So I feel that there is a lot of value in men seeking out a male coach who also has a penis, who can really um, identify with what they're going through. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate you you um, highlighting that. And you know, one of the stories that I talk to men about is like their like masturbation, and and especially like if they're in a relationship as well, like beautifully as you identified, sometimes 
we might not be in the mood necessarily to have sex with our partner, right? Because um, just for, it could be for a number of reasons, but instead we actually feel like we're in the mood to just be sexual with ourselves, maybe as like a self-care practice or a you know self-cultivation. It could be a spiritual practice, um, but you just are in the mood more so to just connect in with your own body rather than necessarily sharing that experience with another person. But for a lot of couples and particularly for a lot of men, they have this idea that now that they're in a relationship, they should not masturbate. They should just get all their needs met from their partner. And it's just their partner's responsibility to meet their sexual needs. Or their um, partner puts that onto them. Their partner yes, doesn't yeah, allow them person. to masturbate. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so like a, a really important conversation to have is if, if you're going into a uh, relationship or even if you've been in a relationship for a long time is how do you feel about masturbation and self-pleasure within the relationship? And, and you know, the way that a lot of men think about masturbation is that it takes away from their partnered experiences, especially a lot of older men that maybe have some trouble with ejaculation and erectile dysfunction. They think, oh, I've got an erection now. I've got to use this with my partner. Um, and if I use it masturbating, then I've kind of wasted the erection that I've had, you know, which I could have used with my partner. Uh, and so I, I kind of say to them, look, the more often you self-pleasure and the more connected you get to your body and the more like arousal you experience, the more reliable your erections are going to be. So, you know, taking the time to connect in with yourself instead of it, you know, being framed as depleting and taking away from your sex life with your partner. What if it was a way that it was adding to your sex life? What if it was a way that it was like juicing you up and filling up your cup and making you feel really alive so that then you could share that with your partner as opposed to it being something that takes away. So reframing masturbation for a, um, for the men in relationships is also really um, important, I think. There's also another way of um, how I frame it is uh, just because you have a partner doesn't mean that you give away your sexuality to them, that your sexuality now belongs to them. You don't have a relationship with your body anymore. So the self-exploration allows you to uh, notice the changes in your body, to continue to experiment with your body so that you can be a more confident lover. So it's not about giving away your power, giving away your sexuality. It's about choosing to share this with your partner. And uh, we, we need to be able to give each other's permission to be able to still enjoy our sexuality so that it's not like, um, it's not that you become lesser off, but you become fuller because of the relationship. So we do have a break. We do have a break. Uh, so uh, we'll come back after this break. Home Times TV. Imagine becoming a super influencer. Reinvent yourself. Invest in your brand, and then manifest your success with a robust, spheric approach. Ohm Times Media and Broadcasting offers a unique and multifaceted way to become the spiritual and conscious influencer you deserve to be by putting your message across our powerful platform with its proven record of integrity and excellence. Through our produced shows, Ohm Times offers the opportunity to become a social media TV personality, a radio show host, an Ohm Times Magazine columnist, and a syndicated podcaster, all in one shot. By live streaming your show on Ohm Times TV and broadcasting it across the extensive Ohm Times radio and TV networks, you become more than a host. You become an ambassador and a force for positive change. Ohm Times, open yourself to the possibilities. If I could be you, and you could be me for just one hour. If we could find a way to get inside each other's minds. Walk a mile in my shoes. 
Walk a mile in my shoes Well, before you abuse, criticize and accuse Walk a mile in my shoes Hello, hello, we are back and I am with the amazing Cam Frazier, he's Australian, he's in Perth, near Perth, and a certified uh, professional sex coach, uh, certified sexologist, registered counsellor and registered tantric yoga teacher. You can find him at Cam Fra The Cam Frazier on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and also the website cam-frazier.com. So today we talked about uh, all the a miss around male sexuality so far and uh, of course now i want to ask about the man box cure so what should men do instead Kim? <laughs> yeah right so this is a massive um a massive topic and there's so many things right but the first is like identify some of those stories that we were talking about before so in the workshops that i do with men i get them to like think about stereotypical masculinity like what does it quote unquote mean to be a real man uh and and start to like highlight those things and, and really identify them and be like, okay, is that really the case, right? Is that really, you know, think of the other men in your life that you that you look up to and that you know, and be like, well, does, does every man that I know fit that particular, you know, man box? And um, and so start to challenge those, those, um, those identification pieces or those unspoken rules. That's kind of the first step is identify them and start to really like uh, unpack them for yourself. Um, one strategy that I use with men uh, because of the work that I do is getting them to really explore pleasure during self-pleasuring, during masturbation. And I specifically use the term self-pleasuring there, not masturbation, because masturbation has a lot of baggage to it. It's got a lot of connotations. It kind of brings up images of like men sitting in front of a computer screen, you know, watching uh, pornography, just going through the motions. Uh, and self-pleasure, on the other hand, is a lot more broad, kind of like broadening your definition of sex. Self-pleasure broadens your definition of masturbation. Uh, and it might not even include touching your genitals, for example. It might not even include watching pornography. It, it could be whatever it is that you yourself find pleasurable, hence the term self-pleasuring. Um, but what I find working with a lot of men is that pleasure is often framed as something that's like feminine or weak or something that a real man doesn't need. A real man doesn't need pleasure. He just needs, you know, to get the job done, have that five second sticky white crotch sneeze and that's it, right? He, he just gets to the goal and um, he, you know, and he achieves, you know, climax and, and then that's all, all there is to sex. Um, so getting them to slow down and to experience pleasure in their body is one way that helps them like rewire their experience for, for sex and pleasure. And, and that challenges this assumption of like what it means to be a sexual man, for example. Um, there's a really simple practice here that I could um, suggest, which is called pleasure mapping, which is essentially like starting at the crown of your head and working your way all the way down to the tip of your toes or vice versa and spending 20 minutes really just exploring touch across your whole body. You know, most of us have uh, these tools, our hands on the end of our arms that can slap and pinch and rub and scratch and do all these amazing different types of stimulation. And the idea is like, okay, just spend time touching your body in all these different and interesting ways and notice what it is that you enjoy. So like, you know, take note of when you're scratching your chest, does that really feel pleasurable for you? Or when you're like tickling your elbows is that you know you don't really enjoy that but just like paying attention to what feels good for you what doesn't feel good for you and similar to what you were sharing just just before the break is like getting this robust and holistic understanding of your own experience right because then eventually you can talk to your partner about that when they ask you hey what do you like what are you into you can be like 
I actually really like it when you scratch my chest or I actually really like it when you lick my cheek or whatever it is, right? And um, and so you've got this, this um, kind of repertoire of things that you can talk about that you know are things that are going to increase the pleasure between you and your partner. Um, so that's just one simple strategy. And, and like typically when I do that with clients, um, I get guys you know, to do that as part of the coaching process. And then I ask them, you know, is there any part of your body that you haven't explored yet? And um, they'll kind of look at me a little bit sheepishly and say, yeah, I haven't, haven't explored my bum yet. And, um, yeah. and so I say to them, okay, well, why? Why is that uh, the case? And typically they'll share with me, you know, there's a couple of reasons, but the one that stands out the most and the one that I think speaks most into like that man box culture is they're like, well, isn't that gay? Isn't that gay for me to explore my, my anus? Isn't it gay for me to want to Precisely. touch my prostate? Or I'll turn gay. Yeah, they'll turn gay as well, right? That for, They think that there's a secret switch up there that if you press, it's going to turn them gay, right? But that's not how sexuality works. That's not how our bodies work. Uh, and so that's a, a huge um, uh, turning point for a lot of the men that I work with in terms of like really uh, breaking free of that man box is like exploring pleasure, but specifically exploring pleasure from their prostate and from anal play. Um, and I'm very passionate about encouraging men to do that because I think it's a um, it's, it's definitely a way for men to, to strip down that internalized homophobia and realize that pleasure is pleasure, regardless of what your body looks like. Your prostate doesn't have a gender, your prostate doesn't have a sexuality, so it doesn't matter. And even if you're doing it by yourself, we wouldn't, you know, there's nothing wrong with being gay firstly. And I think that needs to be a conversation, but also like, you know, the, the, the way that you explore your own body has no bearing on your sexuality. And even if you're a heterosexual man, like a lot of the clients that I work with, if you're exploring your prostate and your anal play with your partner, you're you're having heterosexual sex because it's with a woman. So you know, I think you know, deconstructing that internalized homophobia for a lot of men, like you know, firstly just talking to them about gay men's experiences and you know, pretty much uh, helping them come to the realization that there's nothing wrong with being gay. Firstly, but then also like doing these things doesn't make you gay because that's not how homosexuality or just you know sexuality in general works. Yeah. Um, uh, is a really um, that's been a really powerful way for for men to break free of that man box culture. Precisely, I think it's because when we when we confront every one of our fears, we become free and uh, we become bigger, better for it. So uh, yeah, I want to re reemphasize what you just said, which is our sexual expression is not the same as our sexual orientation. Sexual orientation is something that we identify with, and uh, for a lot of people who I do identify as GLBTQIA, uh, they actually feel that they were innately that way. They were born that way. A lot of mm. people actually feel that they were born that way, and so it's it's it, um, you know whether you turn gay or not. That, that that is uh, really um, their journey and it's very important to just focus on what it feels for you, confront all your taboos, all your fears. Uh, I like what you said about uh, rewiring, breaking habits, um, exploring different things and, uh, you know, the whole body. Our whole body is a sexual organ and our body, I often call it, is our playground. Treat it as yeah. a laboratory and just play with yourself. Just experiment. Just go back to childlike wonder because when you are truly embodied and you are truly confident and playful, creative with your body, then uh, it will be much easier for you to be playful, creative, uh, playful with your partner uh, in turn. Totally. So, yeah. <laughs> so any other points around the man box cure? Because uh, since we have you here, you know, a person with a penis. So of course, uh, they will be having all these questions around how to enhance their sexual performance. So do you have some tips around that? 
Yeah, right. Well, I'm, I'm going to piggyback off what you've just shared. I love the idea of your body being a playground. Something that I say to a lot of men, um, because they're very what's called phallocentric, right? Like a lot of men's sexual experiences is based on what their penis can or can't do. You know, we talked about how big it is, how long you last, whether you're ejaculating, like things like this, whether you've got an erection or not. And so for a lot of couples, particularly for a lot of men in that couple, um, sex is based on the penis and whether the penis is erect, whether the penis ejaculates or not, whether the penis is big or not. Um, this is called phallocentrism. And so something that I s- explain to men is you're not just your penis, you're actually one big penis, right? Um, and so uh, maybe the, the analogy of your body being a playground is a little bit- The big dick. Yeah, you, <laughs> you're actually one big dick, right? Uh, and, so, uh, and so I explain to guys, like you can experience pleasure across your whole body, hence that's, that pleasure mapping practice. But once guys realize that they- um, they when they have sex with their partner, they're not just having sex with their partner just with however many inches they've got in their pants. They're having sex with their whole body. And um, what I noticed when I talk to guys about like their experience of sex is a lot of men, like they stiffen up, they squeeze their their glutes, they squeeze their lower back and they're, they kind of like just thrust in and out of their partner like they're, like they're hammering in a nail. It's just very yeah. like rigid, very stiff. Um, and, you know, firstly being stiff and rigid and tense in the body is um, going to lead towards ejaculating faster because we know tension in the body leads towards ejaculation um, because of the sympathetic nervous system. But also like it's not very conducive for, you know, having like really passionate lovemaking because if you're tightened up and, and pumping in and out like a piston, there's only so much you can really do. So what I what I say to men is, you know, firstly, you're, you're one big dick. But I also like a, another analogy that I use is instead of thinking that your penis starts you know, where it meets your pelvis, you know, in your, in your groin, think of your penis starting at the back of your neck and think of it being your whole spine. And if you can start to like move your body and start to like undulate and roll your hips and roll your kind of spine back and forth and start to connect with, you know, your whole body when you're starting to make love. And instead of just kind of like pumping in and out with your, your hips, you're starting to roll your hips and, and roll your spine and, and kind of move your whole body. Really notice how that changes your experience like personally of pleasure, but also notice how it changes your partner's connection to you. Um, oftentimes when we start to like get our whole body involved, our partner can pick up on that. And, um, you know, th- there's a, a connection to this is like, you know, starting to make a bit more noise in the bedroom. A lot of men are very quiet when it comes to sex. Um, you know, they, they think that making noise is for women or they think that, you know, making noise is weird or it's, you know, whatever it means something bad. Um, so I encourage a lot of men to like start vocalizing the pleasure that they're feeling start, you know, it doesn't have to be, uh, words, but, you know, just starting to make some groans or some grunts or whatever it is that makes you feel like, you know, you're expressing authentically the pleasure that you're experiencing because, and I, you know, have spoken to a lot of women about this. I've done surveys on my social media. A lot of women find it very sexy, very hot for guys to make noise, right? Like maybe you can back me up on that Tara. Yeah, my a lot face. of guys, a lot of guys do not make sounds in the bedroom. Never. Uh, yeah. The only sign yeah. when sounds when they're making is just as they're gonna come. Sometimes I'm like, okay, is he still alive or sleeping? <laughs> no, really, really, really. Okay, so anyway, I I, I really uh, beg you out on the sound because uh, sound moves energy in the body, and when mm. you can move energy away from just being penis centric, uh, move energy away from body, uh, from the penis. This is when you can also last longer. You can feel more, and uh, when you're relaxed, your partner will relax. Versus uh, what you mentioned about being all tense and stiff, and all about the hammering, which 
uh, is depicted in porn. Uh, so no, we don't want to. We we don't actually want to have sex with a porn star. If we wanted to have sex with a porn star, we would. You know. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah, wanted to have sex yeah. with you. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Look, look, there's the um, the like uh, the title of my course that I have for men is called um, "Outperform a Porn Star: How to Have Better Sex in a Porn Star." And the way that I um, the way that I frame that because uh, it's a very tongue in cheek uh, you know, uh, name because a lot of guys they they uh, put up on a pedestal the sex that they see in porn. They think that's the epitome of sex. That's what women want. That's the way that good sex is supposed to look, which is very obviously wrong. Um, and so the, the way that I talk to them about this is I use a lot of interviews from porn stars, both, you know, male porn stars and female porn stars. And, um, and a lot of these interviews, uh, they, these, these um, men and women are talking about how the sex that they're having on screen is actually not very pleasurable. A lot of the guys are talking about how they're lasting longer by doing math in their head or by like biting the inside of their cheek and making themselves feel pain or they're like looking at something off in the distance and they're focusing on that instead of focusing on the person that's in front of them, which is all disconnected sex, right? And and essentially what they're trying to do is they're trying to minimize the amount of pleasure that they feel so that they can last longer for the scene. And then I, you know, I use a lot of these... Um, interviews from women and a lot of the women are saying like yeah the sex isn't that great i I fake a lot of my orgasms on set uh, because that's what looks good on camera um you know i make more noise than i actually really want to i kind of exaggerate it because that's what is being recorded uh they're in they're in awkward positions and you know because they're having to get a camera in there the the way that they're feeling their penetration from their male partner's penis is like into the side of their vagina because the the angles are all wrong so that you, you can film it so it looks good on camera and so again, the women are saying, yeah, the sex isn't actually that great. It's just, you know, it's just a job. And so, you know, I use those, those um, interviews and those testimonies from porn stars to get these guys to realize that actually the sex that a lot of porn stars are having on camera isn't very good sex, you know? And so that's one way no. to, to help them realize. Uh, and then I say, well, look, if you could have really passionate, connected, multi-orgasmic sex that actually felt really pleasurable and that, you know, was really um, satisfying all your needs and it was exploratory and you were curious and you were playful, you'd be outperforming any porn star that you see on screen, right? You'd be, you'd be way, you'd be light years ahead of the, the sex that you're having. So, um, so that's like the way that I, I frame it is like, let's focus on pleasure. Let's focus on like, just what feels good. Doesn't matter what it looks like. Let's just focus on it feeling good for you and your partner, as opposed to performance, which is what we're seeing on screen, right? It's like, you know, lasting a certain amount of time, having the money shot at the end. This is what sex should look like. Like that's all performance oriented, you know, got to have a big penis, got to make sure it's erect, all that sort of stuff is very superficial performance oriented sex. And I'm like, no, let's focus on the pleasure instead. And once you focus on the pleasure, all that performance stuff starts to fall away and you can start to focus on like, okay, let's just talk about how to make sure this feels the best that it can for the both of us. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, just, just think about it this way. Why is it that uh, so much uh, porn is so off-putting to women? It's because yeah. that's not the kind of sex that they they want. So just to just boil down to why does it turn them off? Because mm. it's 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 painful sex. It's actually painful. It's not pleasurable. It's uh, it, it, uh anyway. So that's why they don't like porn. So mm. so then why why consume and why re uh, re-emphasize messages into your brain that actually is not going to serve you? So. So there's also amateur porn that one can look out for instead of porn that uh, is not realistic. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, there's amateur porn that uh, uh, is available. 
uh, also want to think about ethical porn, <laughs> whether uh, all the performers are fairly paid and whether they consented to every act uh, mm. in the performance. Because what can also happen nowadays is there's a lot of um, 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 revenge porn out there. There's a lot of uh, porn that you're not quite sure whether the person actually consented to it. If it doesn't feel good, if you feel something is off, then we shouldn't partake in these kinds of behaviours um, either. We shouldn't be supported an industry of exploitation. Okay, mm. so uh, moving on. <laughs> That's my little uh, support. <laughs> I appreciate um, that. So moving on, um, yeah, so, so yeah, so um, being less penis-centric, being more full-bodied, mm. uh, playing with sound, um, breath, you know, there's so many things we can do with our body. And, yeah, uh, so breathing that's very is a big one. So tips that you have, yeah. Yeah, the, the, um, the benefits of like breathing down into your diaphragm, I don't think it can be overstated. It's such a powerful practice to do, like learning how to breathe down into your belly, um, you know, in a relaxing full kind of bodied way like i often say to my clients breathe into your balls like breathe all the way down into your genitals like feel that down in your pelvic area um because uh, like a lot of the times when i talk to men about their the the sex that they're having again like their physical experience uh, when i ask them about their breath they often say to me that they they even hold their breath right they breathe up into their chest maybe they're even holding their breath as they get closer to orgasm and um they're you know holding and tightening and squeezing and tensing up and you know i, I kind of talk to them about ejaculation i'm like you know, what are, what are the physical characteristics of ejaculation? They're, they're like, yeah, I tighten my breath, maybe hold my breath, I squeeze, I clench, um, you know, I try and push, my heart rate goes up. I'm like, okay, you know, take that characteristics out of like the sexual or erotic context and apply it to someone walking down the street and you just saw a man all of a sudden like tense and tighten up and hold his breath and squeeze and push. You would think that man's having like an anxiety attack, you know, like it's a pretty um, intense like um, – sympathetic dominant experience right it, it's um it's all these things that create tension in the body and anxiety in the mind and so i say to a lot of men ejaculation is really like a pleasurable anxiety attack uh, it has all the same sympathetic nervous system characteristics uh, and so one of the suggestions that i had to them is like all those things that happen when you ejaculate try doing the opposite and notice how that affects your experience of sex so instead of like holding the breath and breathing into the chest and tightening up try breathing really slowly breathing down into the belly, relaxing, letting go, trying to you know, consciously release the tension in your muscles, lower the heart rate down, you're relaxing the jaw, opening the mouth, making some noise as opposed to like clenching the teeth and squeezing and trying not to make any noise when you ejaculate. Like do the things that are opposite to an ejaculation and notice how that really changes your experience. Not only will it potentially make you last longer, right? If that's what you're looking for, but it also make you feel more as well. It'll make you more connected because when we, when we start to tap into the parasympathetic nervous system, we feel more. We, we, just by virtue of that's the way the nervous system innovates our body. We actually feel more sensation. And um, you know that's scary for a lot of men because feeling more sensation is not something they're very used to, right? A lot of guys will close themselves off to feeling more, not only feeling more emotions, but feeling more physical sensations as well. I often think that men have a lot of fear around pleasure and arousal and they just, you know, are very comfortable kind of staying in the box, right? And staying within this um, this narrow framework of what, what sex, you know, is supposed to feel. Um, but yeah, really pushing through that and like exploring these things can be really, really helpful. And what I notice with the guys that I work with is like, once they start doing that, there's like a little, um, they kind of hit a speed bump and, and the speed bump they hit is like, because they're starting to pay more attention to the pleasure and they're starting to notice more arousal and sensation in the body, what can end up happening is that becomes quite overwhelming 
and they because they're not used to it and they start to um, find that they they um, get to ejaculation quite quickly or they get to like their 10 out of 10 quite quickly um, because they're actually feeling pleasure for the first time in their life as opposed to just like simple gratification. Uh, so if that if you start doing that and you start noticing it, one of the suggestions I have then is like slow it down even more. It's like literally you know, halve the speed that you've been going so that that buildup of arousal is something that you can really start to lengthen and tease out so that you can, if 10 out of 10 is your you know, ejaculation and one out of 10 is like no arousal at all, just spend time at two, spend time at three, spend time at four and really like explore these, uh, these layers, these, these levels to, um, you know, towards that heightened peak state of arousal. Sometimes that's called edging is like building up, you know, that, that level by level up towards the edge of ejaculation. But, um, yeah, this, this like, just, I think if, if I'm, if I'm summing this up in, in like one kind of, um, idea is like, be curious about your body, right? And and really slow down and pay attention to what it is that you're feeling because, um, yeah, a lot of guys feel, a lot of guys have have trouble feeling that because they've they've conditioned themselves to experience pleasure in one way, whether it's by watching porn and just outsourcing to the the screen in front of them or disconnecting from the sex they're having with their partner by thinking up in their head. Um, you know, there's just an, an element of being disconnected. And so, what I'm really passionate about is getting men to connect back in with what it is they're feeling. So the way um, the the way um, the way to really experience pleasure is not around it; it's actually through it. So the way yeah. through it is actually being comfortable with it, uh, small, slow, gentle, steady steps to become more and more comfortable with your body. I often describe it like a rubber band. Uh, if you if you just um, play with the rubber band and stretch it, warm it up, then uh, over time the rubber band actually expands versus that you just you know, just pull at it and then it snaps. So mm. our body, our body is actually um, very adaptable. We can be very creative. Uh, it's just about taking small steps. I know it's confronting, it's scary to try new things because uh, everything that you've been doing had led you to this point. Like it seems to work. So people are afraid to change. But actually, um, just because it can be challenging, it can be awkward, difficult, uncomfortable, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's impossible. So these things that we are suggesting, uh, if you just try it, you will realize that uh, <laughs> you will actually feel more. You will actually feel more pleasure. And uh, it's less about being in your head and actually turning your attention internally to your body. Mm, yeah, a simple thing that I often say to guys is when you're masturbating is stand up. You know, a lot of guys will be sitting down or they'll be lying down on their bed and, you know, they don't notice the, the tension in their body because the piece of furniture that they're sitting or laying down on is holding their weight. But when you stand up, you start to notice, oh, maybe my back's a bit sore here. I mean, I can just open my shoulders up and roll my neck a little bit. And like, it gives you an opportunity to breathe. And um, it's just a fantastic practice to, to get into. Um, it's like stand up, put, if you're watching porn, put it up on a shelf. Um, even like listen to you know the porn instead of watching it on screen, like using it in different ways to create new pleasure pathways in your body, right? To to find new ways of of um, experiencing pleasure and stimulating your arousal and exploring all that. So, um, and I think uh, uh, there's a practice called orgasmic yoga, right? Which is kind of about like you know. Uh, breathing and uh, connecting in with the body, being able to move the body, using sound, using breath, doing all these things that we've kind of been talking about in a in a practice, right? In a container where we've um, we've set aside time to kind of explore these things. So um, that's a suggestion that I have as well as like set aside twenty minutes and just you know, if, and if you ejaculate within the first ten minutes, don't don't 
feel like the practice is over. Spend the next 10 minutes like touching the body, exploring the body, like noticing what you feel after you've ejaculated as well. Because the whole story that a lot of couples have, particularly you know men, is that sex has to finish once he's ejaculated. But that's not the case either. Uh, so one of the ways you can explore that is by just you know, setting aside that 20 minutes, say you ejaculate within the first 10, just noticing how it feels to just be still in your eroticism, still in your pleasure for the next 10 minutes after you've ejaculated. Mm, that's right. To, to relish all the feel-good hormones that are being released and to integrate it, to allow all the emotion, sensation that comes up to, yeah, to just kind of process it because it is a spiritual experience uh, masturbating. Mm, yeah yeah i love this idea of like after play you know like after you know basking in that afterglow because not only is it really beneficial to like experience that but it also gives you an opportunity to like talk to your partner to debrief about what the sex you know felt like what you'd like to try next time and it kind of sets up this um this thread for your next sexual experience right it helps create this connection between this sexual experience and the next one that you might have so we're coming towards the end of the show. Uh, so we talked about so many things today. So just to uh, summarize, we talked about the man box and misconceptions, stereotypes that actually really doesn't serve us. Uh, whether um, uh, we talked about men, but really it, uh, all these stereotypes also can, some of these stereotypes can apply to women as well. Uh, we talked about uh, the man box cure. We talked about letting go of stories that doesn't serve us and what we can do instead. We can explore pleasure and how we can explore pleasure uh, pleasure uh, using a sound, breathing, aging, uh, standing up, um, treating it as more of a full body orgasm. So, uh, Cam, do you have any like last words? Uh, I mean, last words, again, like just emphasizing curiosity, emphasizing playfulness, emphasizing exploration and experimentation, uh, you know, doing your best to disentangle with your ego. Don't take, take things so personally, like just be open to feedback and open to exploring. That's That's all I can really suggest. Yeah, that's beautiful. So once again, just to remind everybody that uh, Cam is available as an online coach, uh, is a, a, certi a profession, sorry, certified professional sex coach, certified sexologist, registered counsellor and registered tantric yoga teacher. Uh, yeah, uh, he also has his own podcast. You want to tell us a little bit about your podcast? Yeah, so it's called Men, Sex and Pleasure. So it's pretty much a conversation with um, a whole bunch of amazing people. Uh, Martha, yourself have been on it and um, just talking about, uh, yeah, essentially the conversation we've had today, like how to um, experience new things, talking about different types of masculinity, really like opening up Pandora's box in, in terms of like all these ideas that we've been kind of speaking about and going in depth with them in a whole bunch of different ways. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been really lovely for me to, to kind of connect with all these different professionals um, and talk about all their experiences with, with men and sexuality. So, yeah, highly recommend checking that out if, if anything that resonated with people today, um, something they want to explore more of. Yeah, wonderful. Okay, so be sure to check out uh, Cam's uh, website. That's cam-fraser.com and uh, the Cam Fraser on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. So this has been Martha of Eros Evolution. You can check out my work or and my book, Orgasmic Yoga, uh, on my website called Eros Coaching. That's eroscoaching.com. So uh, next week, uh, um, I'm still thinking uh, what I want next week uh, because I happen to have a gap. So I'm, I'm inclined to, I'm feeling into this, uh, you know, I'm coming into the 10th episode now. So next week, I want to um, maybe kind of do a little bit of uh, uh, amazing sharing on the best of uh, sex techniques for um, 
people of all genders. So mm. yeah, so uh, stay tuned uh, to Eros Evolution. Thank you for coming, uh, Cam. It's Thanks so wonderful. much for having me. Yeah, it's been amazing. Thanks. Uh, it's been wonderful. Thank you.